Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. May your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is one of those parables that if Jesus had asked me, I would have told him to word it differently. But he didn't ask, and this is the, the one we have, and it's, it's a little bit confusing when it seems, all right, you've got this crook, and it seems like he's being commended for being such a good crook, which really can't be the message of the gospel because it doesn't fit with the rest of the story. So when we hear a parable like this, we have to say, well, what is Jesus then trying to say? Because at the beginning, it sounds like, well, he's just being rewarded for ripping off his master because he's about to get fired. But the end of the parable really shifts that uh, to challenge as the parable ends. Uh, you can't serve both God and wealth. That's a clear caution that he gives at the end. He also looks and says, well, you know, you've got to be faithful with these little things in order to be entrusted with the big things. And we think, well, at least I think when I hear that, well, that's not the guy at the beginning of the story. But what Jesus often does is to make a contrast between look at how people of the world already know how to, to act. How much better should the children of God respond? And what I think this guy does capture for us is he knows his time is limited. The day of judgment is coming for him and he's about to be out of a job. So he responds with urgency. And I think that connects to the message of the gospel where we are called to respond uh, with urgency to the call of Jesus to come to him, to turn our life over. For we know that the time is limited. And that's hard for us to understand because we know Jesus is returning, that's the promise. And we've been saying that for 2,000 years and he hasn't come yet. And so it's easy for us as a whole world to assume that, well, we must have 2,000 more years. And so there's plenty of time to get to that later. Or in our own lives, well, I'll get to that 10 years from now. That's clearly when, I, when I'll do it. Uh, so everything seems to be later when we need to be responding to the call of the gospel with urgency as time is short. And what we have in the the letter to Timothy, as Paul writes to him, we have sort of a summary of this message of the gospel and what our call is to be in response to that. And he begins by calling the church, uh, urging supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions so that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life. He calls for prayer for everyone. 
Now we may think, yeah, but we don't really like the person who's the ruler. Or I don't like this one or that one or this person did this to me. But Paul's really saying we should pray for everyone. We should pray for those in authority. In fact, Jesus says, pray for your enemies and do not curse them. And that doesn't mean pray that a boulder will drop on their head when they're walking past. That's not the prayer Jesus had in mind, so take that off your list. Um, but we are called to pray for everyone. And I, I wonder, what does our prayer life look like when we have to pray for the ruler we disagree with? And not just that they'll change their mind and agree with all the things that we would like. Not that type of prayer. And pray for our enemies, not for their destruction, but for their good. And then also pray for the needs that we have and those that we love. But how much more does that draw us into the heart of God when we recognize that all are in need of prayer? Because as we're told, that God desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart of God. He did not desire to have sort of a, an exclusive VIP club where very few people can work their way in. And there's only a limited number of tickets and then that's it. That's not the, the heart of God. The heart of God is that all would come to know and receive. And so as part of our prayer, are we praying that all would come to know? Even our enemy. Even the person that we think has done the most uh, heinous thing in all of the world. Would we pray that they would come to know, repent, and be saved? Because Paul reminds us there is one God and there is one mediator between God and all humankind. Jesus Christ, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all, is what it says. Not for the perfect, for the good, for the ones we like. You know, it, it seems that the message of the gospel is, is pretty radically broad and wide. And then we find ways to try to make it uh, narrow and exclusive and find out who's in and who's out, who deserves it and who doesn't. You know, I wonder why we, we waste our time <laughs> with, with such effort to try to find a more narrow way where someone uh, can be left behind versus the more broad way where Jesus gave himself for all and really all who will say yes will receive. That's the promise. And that should be good news because it doesn't mean we've got to work our way in. It doesn't mean you have to have some secret knowledge or exclusive uh, right to come into God's presence. But that God gave himself for all. And Paul reminds Timothy, it was for this gospel he was appointed as a herald and an apostle. And so not only with urgency do we need to receive the message of what Jesus has done, but I think with urgency we need to be willing to share the gospel with others. 
Because how is everybody else supposed to know? Well, somebody has to tell them. That's how the message of the gospel is passed on. Where one tells another, hey, come and see this God. Come and hear what's been done for you. Jesus gave himself for you. God loves you. Come and receive. That's the call on each of our lives. And that's perhaps the, the good example we can take from the crook in today's gospel passage is that he at least responded quickly knowing the situation he was in. And I think we know the situation we're in without the work of Jesus. We know our dependence upon God. And so quickly, let us respond to that, giving thanks to God for what Jesus has done. And may the Holy Spirit empower us then to go share the message of the good news with all whom Jesus gave his life for. And God's desire is that they too will come to receive, to be saved and enter into his presence. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, through whom we have forgiveness of sins and enter into eternal life in your presence. May the Holy Spirit teach us day by day what that means, the depth of your love for us, and may we be empowered to respond with urgency to share the message of the gospel, that our lives might be lived to your honor and glory, that they might reflect your image and draw others to come and receive. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.